Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. You know, I woke up this morning with a psalm in my heart. Uh, and actually, I've been thinking about this psalm all weekend. Uh, and that's Psalm 118. And it's verse 24. And it's one that you probably heard if you grew up in church like I did. And it's, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. How many of you are familiar with that? Oh, there it is on the screen. Look at that. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I like to say it this way. This is the moment that the Lord has made. You know, this is not, God didn't just make the day as a whole. He made every second and every moment and every millisecond of this day. And he custom designed this day for you. Amen. I believe you're in the right place at the right time for God to do something significant in your life. And I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning that, that we ought to rejoice and be glad in the opportunity that God has created for us to be right here, right now to receive from him. It's going to be an awesome time. Touch your neighbor and just tell him that. Say, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great time. Don't worry. It's going to be a great time. Amen. Don't be nervous. We're going to have fun this morning. Amen. I want to talk to you today from the subject, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. I, uh, I believe that today's message is going to be a word of encouragement and inspiration. This is what's in my heart for you today, that you be encouraged and inspired as we take a look at the word. We just finished, those who uh, have been attending here for a while, we just finished digesting over a month's worth of vision. Y'all recall that? We, we spent the last week in January and the entire month of February in the vision for 2020. And so we've just gotten stretched and challenged to grow. We've just been digesting all this fresh vision. And this morning, I think we need to be reminded of how we're going to get to the vision. How are we going to get where God wants us to go in 2020? I believe the answer is simple. We're going to do it by faith. Amen? How are we going to move forward? Not by doubt, not by unbelief, not by fear, not by strife. Not by looking at and doing things the way the world around us does them. How many of you figured out that when you do things the world's way, it usually doesn't turn out so great? Amen? Amen. Well, I've, I've figured it out in my life too, man. When I do things the way society instructs me to do them, when I live by natural means alone, then I suffer. But, but, but here in this church, we're not going to do that. We're going to live by faith. This should encourage us, this idea of living by faith should encourage us, especially in moments when we feel inadequate and insecure. Uh, you know, we, I was just talking about the vision that we've, been that we've been discussing over the last month. It's really, really easy to look at a vision and get intimidated by it, especially if it's particularly big. Anybody ever done that? Did you ever look at your vision through the lens of discouragement like, I'll never get there? Did God ever put a dream in your heart? Did he ever give you a plan and then you look at it and you go, I have no idea on earth how that is going to come to pass. That scares me. Anybody ever have a, have a God-sized vision that just scares you? You just go, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to come to pass. 
I'm reminded of Sir Edmund Hillary. Y'all know who Sir Edmund Hillary is? Some of you might know that name. On May 29th, 1953, Sir Edmund Hillary and his climbing partner, Sherpa Tenzig Norgay. Aren't you glad your parents didn't name you Tenzig? They became the first people to ever summit Mount Everest. If anybody in here is named Tenzig, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. Um, they became the first people to ever summit Mount Everest in 1953. However, the year prior to him summiting the mountain, he spoke at a dinner, having just failed to summit Mount Everest. He's said to have looked at a large painting in the room of Mount Everest, shaking his fist at the image and declaring, I will come again and conquer you, because as a mountain, you can't grow, but as a human, I can I mean, if you've ever stared up at a vision that seemed so big and seemed so, you know, incalculable how large it was, it was like looking at Mount Everest and you just felt like the size of a little ant. Edmund Hillary was there and he said, you know what? I'm going to conquer you, Everest, because you're a mountain. You can't get any bigger, but I can. I believe that as we are challenged and, and encouraged by the Spirit of God to move forward in the vision that he's given us for our church this year, we have to remind ourselves that we have capacity for growth, that we have capacity to get bigger on the inside. I like what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, I'm 10,000 times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Why is that? Because he recognized that God put inside the heart of every single one of us potential to grow. But how do you get to potential? How do you connect to the potential that God has put on the inside of you? It's got to happen by faith or it doesn't happen at all. The vision can look intimidating, but it's only intimidating if we forget who lives inside of us. God's given you the potential to accomplish the vision that he's put in your heart. What do you need? You just need faith. Amen. Look, if, if you would, at Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Habakkuk's at the very end of the Old Testament where your pages are stuck together there if you've got a Bible. <laughs> Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. I, I, for the sake of time, I won't read verses 2 and 3, but they're all about vision. I found it interesting that when, I, when the Lord put this scripture in my heart this week, I went back and looked at it and realized it was connected to two other vision verses. But we're not going to go there for time. Check this out. It says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Everybody say that out loud. Say, the just shall live by his faith. Say it one more time just because it feels good. The just shall live by his faith. How are you going to live? By faith. Amen. Not by fear, not by doubt, not by unbelief, not by strife, but by faith. I love the way that the prophet Habakkuk, again, funny name. The prophet Habakkuk paints a beautiful picture for us a dichotomy. A, 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 he, he's painting the picture for us of two individuals. The first one is the proud man. The second is the just man. And we could say the woman, you know, just woman, just man. It's, it works both ways. But he says, behold the proud man, his soul is not upright with him, but the just man, the just woman shall live by faith. 
I love that he starts by, by contrasting the proud man with us. He says, look at the proud man. He has the appearance of faith, but his inside private life betrays him. Think about this for just a moment. Behold the proud man. Why would you, why would you say that he's proud? Because he acts like he's got it all together. Like, what's a proud person like, right? Don't they act like they got all their ducks in a row and their you-know-what doesn't stink, right? They just walk around like everything's fantastic and look how great I am, and I got it all together. I'm proud. I'm arrogant. But the reality is most of the time when you peel that away, their insides lie. Their insides don't match their outsides, right? And Habakkuk is reminding us of this, and he says, Behold the proud man. He has the appearance of faith. He looks like he's got it all together, but on the inside, his life tells a different story. Why is that important? It's because faith is not about appearances. Faith is not about appearances. It's about believing God on the inside. It's about believing God from your heart. Faith shows up on the outside, but it starts on the inside. The Bible, in one of the most famous passages of all time, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, is part of the Romans road. You probably learned it when you were in kindergarten or when you were in you know, Sunday school. It says, with the heart, man believes. And with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. Where does believing come from? It comes from the heart, right? So the proud man, though he has it all together on the outside, his heart is betraying him. His life is telling a lie. How many of you have ever been there before? You don't have to raise your hand. Just look straight ahead and your neighbor won't know that I'm talking about you. Okay. <laughs> now, I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? We've all been in that place where it's like, man, I got it all together out here, but on the inside, my heart is, is frustrated. My heart is discouraged. I try to pray, and instead of prayer, I feel pain. Anybody ever felt pain when they try to go pray? The Bible's going to teach us how to live. Instead, by, instead of living by pride, it's going to teach us how to live by faith. Faith shows up on the outside, though it starts on the inside. Notice what it goes on to say. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. What is, what is the person who is considered to be just? This is a person whose heart's been made right with God. This is a person, we'd call him a believer, a Christian. Somebody whose heart is right with God. Somebody who's a new creation. You remember what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5? It says, uh, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. You've come into relationship with Jesus, and now you have been justified. You've been made righteous. There's clear communication between you and your heavenly Father. You're in the family of God. How many of you are in the family of God this morning? Amen. This idea of a person being just is a person who's been born again, who's in the family of God. And it says that that person's life is going to be defined by their faith. 
The person whose life has been defined by righteousness lives by faith. Now, if we, can, if we can see here that the just person lives by faith, then we can do something else. We can make the assertion then that the unjust man, the unjust woman, by contrast, does not live by faith. Does that make sense to you? I mean, if the just lives by faith, it must mean that the unjust does not live by faith. Right? The one who hasn't been redeemed by God, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The one who hasn't been redeemed by God, the one who is not just, has no choice but to live according to the limitations of this world's system. Think about that for just a moment. I'm going to get to the exciting stuff about faith here in just a second, but I want you to think for a moment that the person who doesn't know Jesus, the person who's not righteous, the person whose heart hasn't been justified, they don't even get the option of living by faith. They are bound by default to live according to this world and to the way the world functions. That's why when vision shows up, they are terrified of it because they don't know how they're going to get to it. They don't know how they're going to reach that vision because they have nothing on the inside, no supernatural life on the inside. Does that make sense? If the just lives by faith, then the unjust person by default lives by unbelief, lives by fear, lives by stress. How many people do you know that don't know Jesus that are totally stressed out right now? Like tons, right? Like you can count them on your fingers and your toes. Like there's just so many people in my life that I know. If I called them on the phone right now, I'd ask them, how you doing? And they'd say something like, I'm all right. Just trying to make it. Or how about this one? I'm busy. How's your, how's your week going? Oh, slammed, man. You know, Jesus didn't call us to live a frustrated, stressed out worldly, you know, full of care, full of concern, weighed down by depression, weighed down by frustration. You're not, you're not designed to go through this life with stress. Oh, man, y'all give me a better amen than that, man. That's really good preaching. Amen. You're not designed to live under the burden of care and stress and frustration and anxiety. We got the most anxious generation that's ever walked the face of this earth right now. It's the truth. We're not designed to live that way. How are we designed to live? By faith. If the unbelieving man's default is fear and unbelief and anxiety in the world system, then our default ought to be faith. Amen. We get to experience the joy and the rest of living by faith. I don't have time to take you to the book of Hebrews where you could see that the life of faith is actually the life of rest. It's not the life of working hard. It's not the life. Now, I'm not saying you can be lazy. I'm not talking about your job. I'm talking about the matters of the heart. It's the life where you get to relax while God does the work that you can't do instead of trying to do the work that you can't do and failing miserably. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So what does it mean? To live by faith, quote unquote. What does it mean to live by faith? I looked up the Greek and the Hebrew words from this verse, from Habakkuk chapter 2. The Hebrew word here for live means to have life, to remain alive, to sustain life, to live prosperously, to be revived, 
How many of you could use a little reviving? To be preserved. Isn't that amazing? God's not just interested in putting a, giving you a little dose of life, giving you a little dab of life and saying, all right, now hold on until you get to heaven. Now it's going to be a bumpy ride. That's not what he's interested in. He's interested in sustaining your life. He's interested in you having so much life in you that you become a source of life to the people around you. How many of you realize it doesn't stop with you? It's not just about you. It doesn't end with you. The Hebrew word, again, means to have life, to remain alive, to sustain life, to live prosperously, to be revived, to be preserved. The Greek translation of this Old Testament word translates this word as to be full of vigor. Vigor. Just like saying the word vigor. As to be full of vigor, to be fresh. Strong and efficient. To be active and blessed. Watch this. This is my favorite one. To enjoy real life. <laughs> when it says the just shall live by faith, what's, what kind of life are we talking about? What live are we talking about? We're talking about living the real, enjoyable life. The reason God put you on this earth was not for you to be a miserable person, just look like you've been soaking in lemon juice all day, just frustrated and angry and anxious. But that is how so many people live. And I'll tell you the reason they live that way is because they haven't yet discovered the rest of living by faith. The rest, the peace, the enjoyment that comes when you and God go on a faith adventure called life. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Now take, take a moment where you are just right now and ask yourself if your life looks like what I just read. Vigor. Robust. Full of life. Are you being preserved? Are you fresh? Are you strong? Yeah. Are you stronger now than you were this time last week? Yes. Amen. I bet we could all use a tune-up, couldn't we? <laughs> couldn't we all use a little faith tune-up this morning? According to this verse, faith in God produces this kind of life in us. The righteous person should be experiencing this kind of life by faith. You remember what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10? The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said that he came to bring us life, not death. Our faith is our access into that life. If you... If you if you do like I have many times, which is you get to the place where you go, here's what I see in the Bible, and here's what I see in the mirror, and the two don't seem to match. Anybody ever been there? Here's what I see in the Bible, here's what I see in the mirror, and I just, for some reason, they don't look the same. The key, the key always, always, when that's the situation, the key is to live by faith. 
The key is that we take a step back from that scenario and go, wait a minute. If my life doesn't look like what the Bible says that it's supposed to, then I've got to be honest enough and courageous enough to ask myself the hard question, where do I need to trust God? Where is it that I am not trusting in and believing that my God is a good, good God? Amen. Hallelujah. You see, faith is a life that is a good life, a life that God created for you that's not full of anxiety and care. The life of faith is a life where marriage is fulfilling, where our business or our job is successful, where our church is exciting, where our family is stable, where our ministry is effective, where our joy is contagious. Hallelujah. That's a life of faith. How do we get there? We get there by faith. I may not, listen, the reality is I, you and I may not feel, I may not feel like my marriage is working right now. I may not feel like my business is is all together. I may not feel like my family is as stable as it needs to be. But in that moment, it's not about what I feel. It's about what my faith says is true. It's about what, what the Bible has declared over my life. So when I look at the situation and I see that the situation doesn't look the way that it should, my faith ought to rise up. Instead of laying down, being passive and accepting that situation, my faith ought to rise up and say, no. Listen, God didn't create you to be passive. Can I meddle here for just a second? Can I take a moment and just get in your business? God didn't mean for you to be passive. He didn't design you to be just, you know, K Sarah Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. Like a fart in the wind, man. You just, just wherever you get pushed is where life just takes me. I'm just, just downstream, you know? No, God didn't create us to live that kind of life. He actually created us to take his word and go on the offensive. So that when life doesn't look like what he's designed it to look like, we actually just get on the inside some faith that puts our foot down and say, no, I will not stand for anything less than God's best in my life. You got to get a pushback on the inside. Amen. This brings us perfectly to our next verse, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Check this out. We walk by faith and not by sight. Glory to God. We walk by faith and not by sight. This verse is so helpful because it helps us to understand exactly how God expects us to live by faith. We just said in the last verse that the just shall live by faith. Well, how do I do that, God? How do you expect me, a mere mortal, to live by faith? In other words, Jesus, what do I do when things don't add up? What do I do when life is not mirroring your word? This verse is a perfect prescription for a life of faith. Paul says, we walk by faith and not by sight. 
He gives us this beautiful, same, same thing the way that Habakkuk did, paints two pictures. Habakkuk painted the picture of the proud man and the just man. Paul paints for us a picture of a life lived by faith versus a life lived by sight. Habakkuk used the word live. Paul uses the word walk. What is the difference? What's the significance there? The word walk here means to make progress, to make use of opportunities. Watch this. The word walk means to regulate one's life. To regulate one's life. Our responsibility is that we regulate our lives by faith. If you're taking notes, I think you ought to write that down. Our responsibility is to regulate our lives by faith. What would happen if faith regulated your life? What would happen if faith regulated your life? Think about the word regulate and what it means. You know, if you go watch a football game, there's a guy in a striped jersey, multiple guys in striped jerseys. They're the referees. What are they doing? They're regulating the game. They're keeping the game inside the boundaries that the game is supposed to be played in. Right? Offside. Defense. Number six. Whatever. They're there regulating the pace of the game. I found out, think, think about this, I found out that our heart, I have to read my notes very carefully here so I say this part right. Our hearts were created by God with something called a sinoatrial node. Anybody ever heard of a sinoatrial node? One guy in the back, that's, good. that's awesome, he knows what I'm talking about. The sinoatrial node regulates our heartbeat. Faith is what regulates our life. It guides the rhythm and the pace of life. Just the way the sinoatrial node regulates and defines my heartbeat, faith regulates my life. Isn't it amazing that God created the heart and then put something in the heart to tell it exactly how to function? You want to know something? God did the exact same thing to you. He created you and he put something on the inside of you that would tell you exactly how to operate. That would tell us exactly what the regulations of life should be. It's no wonder that Paul says we walk by faith and not by sight. We got the world out here giving us all kinds of information, giving us constant stream of feedback. And oftentimes, we listen to that instead of listening to the, to the sinoatrial node of our spirit, which is faith. Instead of listening to what God has put on the inside of us, we listen to the noise of the world around us. We don't walk by faith. We walk exactly by sight. And unfortunately, it takes us into a terrible place. But isn't it amazing that God put something on the inside of you that could show you exactly how to live, how to regulate your life? Another example, faith is what creates the God-inspired framework in my life. If my life was a house, faith would be the, the two-by-fours. Faith would be the, the blocks. 
Faith would be the thing that's behind the, the ugly green wallpaper and the hideous red paint. And, the, if, and behind that crusty old drywall, you'd pull it back and you'd find some studs. That's what faith looks like in your life. It's the regulator. It's the, the structure of who we are. You can see immediately why our faith is so important. And we can see immediately why Paul contrasts it with sight. If my faith is the framework, then my faith in what I can't see determines my response to what I can see. If this is true that I walk by faith and not by sight, if faith is truly the framework of my life, then my faith in the God that I can't see with my senses, that faith determines my response to everything that I can see. See, we live in this world of touch, taste, sound, sight, and smell. We live in this world of five natural senses. You remember Thomas, doubting Thomas, poor old doubting Thomas, that when Jesus rose from the grave, what did he say? He told the other disciples, he said, this is the Josh Thurman version, the JTV paraphrase, he said, I won't believe it until I see it. You can't tell me Jesus. I saw him hang on a cross. I was there when he died. I watched him. I helped him take his body down. I helped him. And when we carried him off to the tomb, he's deader than a doornail. You can't tell me he's raised up from the dead. I won't believe it until I see it. And what does Jesus do when he shows up? First thing he does when he shows up in the midst of the disciples, walks right over to Thomas. He says, Thomas, put your hands in the nail print. What? Put your hand in my side. What? Right? He gave Thomas exactly what he was looking for. He gave Thomas a reason to believe. He said, Thomas, this is what Jesus says, blessed are they who believe without seeing. <laughs> Why, Jesus? Why, Paul? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. I like to say it this way. My faith decides ahead of time how I'm going to respond to situations in my life. My faith responds ahead of time. Listen, if you're waiting to get some faith when you get thrown into the battle, it's a little too late. Now listen, God will still bail you out because he's a good God. Amen. Even when Peter was drowning, Jesus still stretched out his hand and helped him out. Right? But the time to get faith in your heart, the time to start believing is not when the rubber meets the road. It's not when you're in between a rock and a hard place. If we're really walking by faith, then we've made a decision ahead of time how we're going to respond when situations get ugly. Right? And this is what most people don't do in the church and outside of the church as well. Most of us haven't learned the art yet of deciding how to respond. When we get into a tough spot, no matter what we see in front of us or around us, we ought to already have believed in God's word. We've, we, have, we ought to already have made the decision, I'm going to trust in God's word. See, what most people do, if I can be really honest, and I'm taking this from my own life, what most of us do 
is when we get into a jam, we immediately start to take an inventory. We start to inventory the things around us. You get a negative doctor's report. You get something happens in your marriage. Your kids do something or say something that's challenging. You're in a tough spot. And what's the first thing that we typically like to do is look around us. Okay, what do I have that I can fix this with? Right? Anybody besides me? We go, wait a minute. Let me just, let me just, take, a, let me just take an inventory here real quick. How did it get messed up? Who's to blame? Right? right? Whose fault is it? And then we usually spend about six months circling around that toilet bowl, right? Who's, whose fault is it, right? And then we go, and then we go, what do I have in my inventory to fix this problem with? So instead of walking by faith, we walk by everything else. I know I'm not the only one, right? And listen, I'm not saying this to condemn you. But really, it's a challenge to us to learn how to live the life God wants us to live. We get in trouble when we take inventory of the natural things around us instead of the supernatural truth of God's word that he put inside of us. Faith denies the right for what you see to have dominion over you. <laughs> I want to say this so that we can be really clear because one of the things that happens is when you start to talk talk about faith, people assume you're talking about denial, right? Like you get sick in your body and you want to pray for healing, so you sit in the corner and go, I'm not sick, 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 and then you check, still bleeding. I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's still broken, you know, like (laughs) that's what we tend to do. But faith is not denial. It's that what it is is that faith denies the situation the right to have dominion. Faith doesn't pretend like the situation isn't there. As a matter of fact, it does the opposite. It looks the situation right in the eyes and says, what I have in me is bigger than you. It's like Sir Edmund Hillary shaking his fist at Everest saying, you can't get any bigger, but I can. See, I got, I got a tiger in my tank. Y'all remember that? Was it ExxonMobil ad from back in the 80s? You got a tiger in your tank. I got something bigger on the inside of me than what I'm staring at. Jesus said that when we see a mountain, we're supposed to speak to it. Y'all remember Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24? Have faith in God, he said. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes the things that he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Glory to God. You and I have exactly what we say. We look at the problem, we look at the issue, and we don't get moved by the issue. We tell the issue where to go. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. You see, faith is not about trying to deny what you see out there and deny its existence. It's denying it any authority. It's looking at cancer and saying, you don't have a right to live in this body, so go. You've got some authority in Christ, friends. I'm telling you, man, if you only realize how much bigger you are on the inside than you are on the outside... Faith doesn't deny the existence of the situation. Rather, it denies the situation of having any authority. Faith holds on to the permanence 
of God's word instead of the temporary situation. Most of us in here have lived long enough to know that no situation is permanent. Nothing in this world is permanent. Here today, gone tomorrow, right? Everything that you encounter in life is subject to change except for this written word from God. This is not changing. The standard God put in this word is not going anywhere. And if he says you can be blessed, by God, you better believe you can be blessed. If he says that you can be free from strife in your marriage, you can be free from strife in your marriage. If he says you can be healed, brother, you can be healed. Amen. Because his word doesn't change. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says in Psalm 119, thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. God's not changing his mind on the promise that he made to you. So it's time for our faith to rise up because the just shall live by faith. It's time for you and I to take seriously what was written in the pages of these scriptures and stand up, not in our own fortitude, but stand up on the word of God and say, if he said it, I believe it. That settles it. I'll have it. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You don't have to have chaos in your life. You can have the peace that passes all understanding. How many of you remember Jesus on the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee? Him and the disciples, he gets in the boat. He says, all right, boys, let's go to the other side. What happens? The wind and the waves get to kicking up. He is sleeping, brother. He is sleeping in the back of that boat. Sleeping. And listen, this wasn't no, you know, 60-foot cabin cruiser, you know, beautiful Chris Craft that, yeah, it wasn't no, no cruise line, man. It was, it was a fishing boat. It had one deck and no roof. It smelled like fish. It was gross. And Jesus facing, the reason I say all this is to, is to, let, to help you to understand, he's facing the same thing that the other guys are facing. The wind that's hitting Peter in the face is the same wind hitting Jesus in the face. The difference is one of them's panicked and the other one's sleeping right? The same wind, the same waves, the same splash in the water, the same fish stink is hitting all of those guys the same way. The Bible says the boat was starting to fill up with water. I mean, Jesus' toes were dangling in that water just like Peter's was, but he's sleeping. You know why? Because there's, there's no storm in Jesus. There's a storm around him, but it's not in him. The world that he lives in, the world he's connected to, it's smooth sailing. That's the reason why he was able to stand up in the boat and command the storm to be still because what was in him was calm. Amen. And you and I get the chance to live the same way. Amen. I want us to make a commitment this morning. I want us to commit today that we're going to trust in the word of God. We're going to trust and give attention to his word. You can change, you can see a change in your life today. You don't have to live in the same problem that you've been living in. You can grow beyond where you're at. I want to encourage you, your faith will work every single time.
I remember I remember the story of a preacher. The older man he's gone on to gone gone on home to be with the Lord. He was a traveling minister in the state of Texas. And uh, back when he was young, he traveled by car. There wasn't, people didn't fly as much like they do now. So he would drive everywhere to all of his preaching assignments, all of his preaching gigs. And he was so poor, and his wife, and they had their two little kids, they were so poor that the only tires that he could afford to put on his car were used tires that somebody else had already gotten all the life out of. And it, got, it had gotten so bad that he, he started to only drive at night because his tires were so bald and the Texas sun is so hot that he was concerned that if I drive during the daytime, the tires are going to get so hot that they're going to burst and I'm going to crash. So... He tells the story of one night he's driving, middle of the night in Texas. I've been in Texas in the middle of the night driving. There's nothing. There's just nothing. And he's driving and he says, he says it was as though those tires started talking to me. Anybody ever been in a situation where the situation's just talking to you? Yeah, right? If you haven't, you haven't lived very long yet. Here he is driving, and he says that front left tire started talking to me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? He said that went on for a minute or two, and then he said it was like the other one started talking to me too. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? He said before long, all four of them tires were singing like a barbershop quartet. What are you going to do? 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 He said, right in the middle of it, I shouted at the top of my lungs, I'm going to act like the Bible is so. He said, from that moment forward in his life, this thing started to shift. I walk by faith and not by sight. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to live like God's word is fact. I'm going to live like God's word is the truth. That when I get pressed up against a wall, when things start coming at me that aren't looking the way they should, I'm going to believe that the word of God is true. My friends, you and I have the opportunity today to do the same thing. You say, how long do I have to believe before I see it? If you're willing to believe forever, you won't have to believe long. How long should I stand on my faith until I see the results? If you're willing to stand forever, you won't have to stand long. Guys, either, either the Bible's true or it's not. There's no in-between. Right? We just read that the just shall live by faith. We just read that we walk by faith and not by sight. Either that is or it isn't true. The question is, are we going to believe? Let's stand up to our feet. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. 
If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.